Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, we're going to collaborate with the Dr. Joe Show, of which I'm a co-host. This was an amazing episode, and I really wanted to share it with you in case you hadn't already heard it. Please enjoy. Come one, come all. Here we are, back with the Dr. Joe Show. Very nice, Mark. It's it's you. You're doing this whole new thing every time. Every time, and it's spontaneous, I assume, right? Or is it? Yes, completely spontaneous. It's nice. Very yeah. good. It's great. Because for, for like 200 shows or so, it, do you want to just do the, the old introduction just so people know what it was for like 200 plus shows? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Or something, something it was exactly like that. Exactly like that. And then a huge round of applause. Yes. Well deserved. Yes. How have you been doing, Mark? What's doing been all fun? right. Doing all right. Yeah. Things okay. Yeah. Yeah, getting ready for surgery. What? Yeah, man. Tomorrow, knee surgery. Be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. Be careful out there when it's greasy and slippery out there. It's dangerous out there in this New England area. So I slipped and fell on ice last week, Dr. Joe, and I ruptured my patellar tendon. So I need to have surgery on that tomorrow. Oh, Oh, buddy. Yep. Sure, it's going to go great. Good luck. It's going to go great. It's a, it's a blessing. God yeah. works in mysterious ways, Dr. Joe. Is it giving you a chance just to slow down a bit? That's and, it. That's you know, it. Reconsider what life is really about. Yep. Think it through. Mm-hmm. Slow it down to speed up. Figure things out. Get, get, some, get some of those to-dos checked off and move yeah. in a forward direction. And, and it really is healthy. I mean, that, yeah. that's what it is. It's, it's a mental health, a different kind of fitness, even if your knee is blown out. But it's that, that total fitness that I really wanted to talk about tonight. So I'm wondering, with that in mind, could you please introduce our guest for tonight? I would love to. Our guest tonight is a fitness and nutrition thought leader. He's a social media influencer on the topic with thousands and thousands of followers. He has a unique workout style. He's the owner and operator of Back to Health Total Fitness right here on the South Shore. He has an amazing way about him with his one-on-one personal training. Please welcome none other than Craig Huntington. Yeah. Welcome, welcome Craig, Craig Huntington. Thank you. Thanks. So, so delighted to have you here. Thank I'm, you. This, you know, I think there are a lot of people who think about fitness and, you know, working out, but Mark says you you have a different approach. Let's hear about that. So my approach is, I started off when I when I started before I started my business. I found, I guess, what I thought was a better way. I'd been training for a long time. I kind of started when I was twelve, got really serious when I was fifteen, and then by the time I was twenty three, I was experiencing some. Um, I wasn't uh, getting as much out of it as I, you know, as I as I was previously and i was experiencing some like overuse injuries i had like really bad tendonitis in my elbows and i was only 23 and i thought there's got to be a better way 
it just it just didn't make sense to me to keep I guess like when I was younger, I, I, I did really well. I responded really well to like strength training is what I did bodybuilding. And I, I had really good results. And then all of a sudden my, my progress really stagnated and I really wasn't getting any more out of it. And I just thought there had to be a better way. And I discovered these great ideas that had actually been around for a really long time, but I just, I finally discovered them. And then I, I did so well with this method that I thought, you know, I think a lot of other people would do really well. And that's basically what inspired my personal training business. So I started training people with this method 30, almost 30 years ago. And mm-hmm. I've never, I've never changed my philosophy. I've learned a lot of, you know, refined things. You know, I'm always constantly trying to learn. I'm either trying to, you know, confirm my ideas or the ideas that I've been using are correct, or I try to challenge them. And if, and if, and if I'm wrong, then I, I change, you know, but the basic philosophy has stayed the same for 30 years. Hmm. I, I, I want to hear what that is, but from 12 to 13. So that's like, that was basically half your life. I mean, yeah, like basically for, I've been, I've been bodybuilding strength training for 40 years. Why at 12? What, what was going on in your life? Did so I was really fascinated by muscle from the time I was, I actually could tell you exactly what started my like lifelong love affair with like yeah. bodybuilding. It was, I was camping with my parents in Truro and uh, there was a little general store. My mom gave me mm, some money to go buy something. And I saw it was a display of comic books. And I looked at, it was a, a detective comics, Batman comic. And it was, I just looked at Batman's muscles and I thought, wow, I'd love to have those muscles. So that kind of started my whole thing. And then I was really into the Conan, the Barbarian, Robert E. Howard paperbacks, and all the covers for most of the covers were done by Frank Frazetta, and his artwork was just another, you know, another inspiration for me. And then I, I played football. I started playing football, and I really started training seriously after my sophomore year when I was 15, and I was hooked because I just I responded really well to it. Like my, my body changed so much in a six month period. It was, I was accused of being on steroids, which was kind of funny because I didn't even know what steroids were. And I thought it was like the greatest compliment, you know, to be 15 years old and be accused of being on steroids. So that's, that's what started my, my, my bodybuilding, you know, my lifelong love affair. So, so Craig, knowing yourself now, what appealed to that three-year-old? What was it about that? Batman. I don't know. Just the muscle. I just love the way Batman looked, you know, just love the, the way the muscles just bulged out. And I don't know. It's just hard, it's hard to explain, you know, it's so young. And it just, I was just, I was arrested by that, the picture on, on the cover, you know? Hmm. So, so I bought it and actually I, it's funny. I went to a comic book show with my, uh, with my youngest and I actually found the original comic. It's the, the the one that I bought in 1977. So. That is so cool. An old yeah. detective comic. Yep. Those those actually good condition. Those are worth quite a bit of money these days, too. Yeah, I paid like twenty dollars for it. So I don't know. I don't know how much this particular one was worth, but uh it was worth a lot to me. So I was glad I I found it. So that is so cool. And were you just as amazed at, at the cover as you were as, as three? Um, I I remembered like I had I had looked yeah, I'd done like a Google, you know, image search of the cover many times. So like, and I I had it for a really long time. So it's like, I, it, 
you know, I, I, I definitely never forgot it. You know, that's why it was so, it was so easy to find. And I remembered, I remembered when we were down the Cape, I remembered, you know, how old I was. So it was easy to find like the exact date or close to the exact date of the comic book. So that was kind of, kind of neat. It is so interesting how that age, things can happen at that age that affect our entire lives. Yep. I mean, I, I can tell you, for me, what happened when I was about three was I, I happened to look in a mirror and I looked at this mirror and I thought, wow, that's me looking at me. How, huh. how was that happening? You know, and I've never forgotten that. And that, that absolutely influenced my whole journey in, in understanding who we are and why we do what we do. Wow. Just looking at myself. Mark? know that you hate it when I just sort of throw these on you, but what about you? Did you have a, an early childhood experience that had an influence on you? At that young of an age, you know, I have very few memories of three, four, and five years old, you know, like flashes of mm -hmm. preschool, you know, being on a slide or something like that. But no, nothing as profound as, as that. No, I can't. I can't say that I that how I do. Did, how did you choose what you wanted to do? I'm still searching, Dr. Joe. It's a constant yeah. journey. It is a constant journey. And I just wanted to say it was six years old that you <laughs> saw the Batman yes. comic yeah, book. Six not years. Three. Yep. Yep. My apologies. Yeah, I, no, that's okay. I have things it, in it, half. It, his, mom, it, his mom didn't send him down to the uh, general store at three. No, three not at three. A whole bunch of cash. Six was, six was bad enough. Six was bad enough. <laughs> yeah, right. So let, let's get into this again. So 12 years old, you start, then there's this major shift at 23. What were you shifting? What, what did you learn? I actually competed in my first bodybuilding show. It was May of 1994 when I was a senior at UMass Amherst. After the show, I'll back up a little bit. Before the show, I read an article in a magazine called uh, the magazine was called muscle media 2000 the article was by a man named mike menser and that was like my that was my epiphany that was the moment i read the article it was it was so logical it made so much sense and i said when i when my when my my competition was over i was going to i was going to do the suggested workout that mike the workout that mike menser suggested and once i did that workout i never looked back and it was so Mike preached or his philosophy was, it was called high intensity strength training. And it was about training. It's more the quality of the, of the exercise than the quantity. So it was how hard you train that was that the, the, the most valuable part of exercise is the intensity of effort. That's what actually stimulates and makes your body change. It's not the length of the workout or the uh, volume or the number of exercises you do. It's how hard you do each exercise. And when you, when you train really hard on each exercise, it negates your ability to train very, it, it negates your ability to do a lot of exercises and to train frequently. So it, it cut my workout time down probably, I'd say like 90%. The, mm -hmm. the amount of time I spent in the gym was cut down by 90% when I started doing this method. And, and then, like I said, I, I just thought it was a great method and it would work for most people. I'm just curious, what, what's the recovery time like with after something of that high intensity? 
Well, usually like the first, when you first do something like that and you're not conditioned, like your, your, your system isn't conditioned to it. So it takes maybe, maybe a few hours you feel, you don't feel right. But within a few workouts, most people feel really good by the time they actually leave the gym. You know, their heart rate returns to normal. They actually have kind of a feeling of like a really, I don't want to say euphoria, but most people get this kind of a high and a really a great feeling of, I'd say, well-being. That's most of the clients I've ever trained. They feel really good when they're done. It's, it doesn't feel great while you're doing it. It's very difficult, very mm-hmm. uncomfortable, I guess, is the best way to describe it. That's so interesting because that rush after was probably an endorphin response. Right? Yes. Yep. I don't know the exact chemical, brain chemicals that are released, but it's definitely like, you know, it's definitely probably endorphins and I'm not sure what else. But. Yeah. And what's interesting is that then would be a positive reinforcer to come back the next time. Definitely. I, I always tell people if most, if most of my clients felt terrible after they finished, I would never would have made it. No one, people wouldn't have, you know, people wouldn't want to come back, you know. Uh, it's the first couple of workouts actually that, especially if someone has the ability to train really hard. They have good motor ability, they're mentally tough, and they train really hard in their first one or two workouts. Some people have actually gotten sick. I don't try to make people sick, but that's just sometimes it happens. It's rare, but it happens. But usually it never happens again. Once they get over that first couple of times, it never happens again. So but for our, our radio audience, you couldn't <laughs> see Mark Styles raise his hand about that. So, Mark, what was the experience like for you? It was it was intense. I I left the first time, my body was shaking, and I drove about halfway home and had to pull over to to let go of my breakfast. Hmm. And then the next time I went, the body was shaky, and then after that, it's the it, it is euphoria, Craig. There, there's no question about it. It's a 20 minute workout and you feel great. You really, you feel great. And it is not easy. There's no question about it that during it, because you're, you're, you're pushing yourself to fail, right? So every what, exercise, what does, that mean? what does that mean? Pushing yourself to fail. So the, the goal of exercise is to stimulate an adaptive response from your body. The adaptive response would be flipping on the growth mechanism, increasing the strength of your skeletal muscles, and then all the subsystems that are in place to serve the needs of your muscles get strengthened either directly or indirectly, like your bones, your connective tissue. So, so you have to stimulate the, the, the change. And the best, most powerful stimulus is going to the point where you're recruiting all of your motor units, all of your, all of your muscle fibers, you're recruiting you're, you're getting all your muscle fibers recruited and stimulated. And then it's the point where you can't do another full range repetition where it's almost like a temporary paralysis. I don't want to sound too dramatic, but that's kind of, that's why your body feels such a threat and a reason to change. You have to give your body, you have to demand a change. So the workout, the exercise has to be demanding. If exercise isn't demanding, it's not exercise because you're trying to stimulate this, this, it's almost like you're trying to dupe your body's protective mechanism. And the great thing is with, with proper exercise, you do it in a safe, controlled environment. You know, we don't have to hunt the woolly mammoth anymore. So that's really, it's, 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 it's the intensity of effort and it's going to that point where you can't do another one. And I don't mean to sound like, I don't mean that to sound scary. It's most people are willing to do it. Most people are willing to be pushed and it doesn't matter like how old they are or what sex they are or 
I've had some of, you know, I've had some of my, I guess, some of my oldest, like maybe even like frail, not the, I don't know if that's the right word, but like weakest clients that train the hardest or, mm-hmm. or clients that aren't as strong, or you wouldn't look at them and think that they could go to the level that they go to. So it really doesn't matter like what someone looks like or, you know, again, how old they are, what their present physical condition is. It's more of a mentality. Hmm. Interesting. Mark, I, I cut you off when we got to the failure thing. So that was your experience? Yes, it's, it's, it's very efficient too. So for those time management folks, you know, it's not, you're not going and committing two hours of your day, right? You're committing 20, 25 minutes, but the, to, to work to fail is, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense because there's, it's a mind body experience too, because there is moments where you're like, Oh, I can't do another one. Oh wait. Yes, I can. In fact, I can do three more. And that's where you can really tell that it's working, right? You're, you're, you're pushing through beyond where you think you can. And it's, it's the old adage, the only way is the hard way. Mm. So what, so after the workout, the first time, Mark, you got exhausted, felt nausea, got rid of your breakfast. So is that a, like a hypoglycemic, a low, low body sugar response because you pulled all this up? Or is it stress response? Because then now you get sick. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, there's there's something to it's it has to do with one of my closest friends is also my chiropractor and he's he's just a just a brilliant guy. His name's Dr. Steve Heaney and he thinks he calls it a, there's a, the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. That it's that's like the body is the, the, the it happens to people let's say like Mark who's again great motor ability, very mentally tough. So so he allowed me to push him really hard the first time. Like, I don't, I don't set out to do that to someone the first time. It's just, sometimes it happens. And he, his body was not conditioned, systemically conditioned to deal with that kind of intensity. So that the nausea and, you know, throwing up that is just for whatever reason, that's how the body responds to that. Like I said, the first couple of workouts where you're not conditioned to, to basically move quickly from exercise to exercise and to go to failure on each exercise. But again, I don't want to scare people away because it's very rare. It just doesn't happen that often. Yeah. So you're also a personal trainer. So what's how did that happen? What what are those relationships like with the people that you work with? I it's it's really that's probably the best part of of my business is the relationships I have developed. I consider all my clients close friends, and and then you know I. There are some people I've been training for nearly 30 years. And and that's not like, the, I'd say my average client, if they start and they train for like six months, I have them for life, you know, whether they leave because life gets in the way or, you know, something, I don't know, maybe it's a, something financial or, or there's, you know, some kind of, like I said, life change. That's the only time they leave. And then they'll call me. I've had people call me back after 10 years and come back and train. So I always, I always tell people you're in the family, you know, no, doesn't matter how long you train for, you're in the family. And it is, it is probably, it's my favorite part of the job. I have developed amazing relationships. And you're helping these people with their, their fitness, both mentally and and physically. And 
What's what's that like for you? It I don't mean to sound corny, but it's my favorite part of the job. I love seeing people achieve, I guess. I love seeing people improve. And a lot of my clients will joke around and they'll say I like to torture people or, you know, <laughs> like I'm a sadist. And it's like, no, I, I want to push people beyond what they think they're capable of. And that's it's really rare that I can't push someone beyond you know, beyond that point. And that, that's the only way they're really going to make changes anyway, is to go, it's to, it's to basically to push beyond your physical, existing physical capacity. And so I, I really enjoy, and that, I also enjoy feedback, like people that maybe they're not that active and then they start training and then they build a strong body, strong and fit body. And then all of a sudden they're doing things they either haven't done for a long time or, or they've never done, like, let's say go skiing or go, you know, play some sport, like they get into pickleball or, or that's really rewarding too. It's, it's great to see them like they're enjoying the, the bot, the strong fit body that they've built that I've helped them build, you know, it's a quality of life issue. That's the most important thing. It's, it's improving your quality of life, physical life, and then, and then trying to maintain that as long as possible. Yeah. So I, I love that. Yeah. It's, it sounds like I can, I can hear the passion in your voice as you talk about it improving people's quality of life. And off air, we were talking a little bit about the actual workout routine. And Craig, could you just like repeat that for our for our listeners? Yep. So my client like Mark, for example, comes in and I have him train. He trains twice a week. Each workout takes approximately, I'd say 15 to 17 minutes. He does a full body 10 exercise routine. And once someone's conditioned they usually can go through the routine without a break. They'll do an exercise. They'll go to momentary muscular failure so they can't do another full range repetition. Then they'll move on to the next exercise and then until the routine's done. I mean, it's it's not necessarily a race against the clock, but if someone needs to have their heart rate come down or if they need, need to grab water, I'm not like, I'm not going to stop them from doing that or it's, it's fine to do that. It's just, I like to get people to train uh, part of that again, that systemic effect is, is going through the workout quickly. And then that localized effect is training each muscle group as hard as you can. So, but they're full body routines. So, so yeah, all the bases are covered. So you, you were saying offline, that you, so you start with the back? Or? It'll, I'll start with a, a, like a midsection. I alternate, I have an A and a B routine. So the A routine would consist of the lumbar extension, low back machine. And then the B routine would be abdominal. So, so they're, they're antagonist muscle groups. They, they, they're the opposite of each other. And then, and then they would go through a leg routine, which would be a knee flexion or a leg curl, a, a pressing movement, whether it's a squat or a leg press, a hip extension, and then a knee extension, like a leg extension movement. And then a lower, a lower leg exercise, either the, either an exercise for their calves or their tibialis. I alternate between the tibialis and the calf. That would be legs. And then they do a a pulling exercise, a vertical pull, which is like a pull down or a chin up, a horizontal press, like a chest press or a push up or something like that. Then a horizontal pull, which would be an upper back, focusing on the upper back would be a, like a row. I have a compound rowing machine and then an overhead press or vertical pressing movement. And then finish off with a, a bicep curl. That would be the last exercise of the A routine. And it's 17 to 20 minutes. Yeah, it's it's usually once uh, once someone learns all the exercises because the first two workouts I I try to make people 
I try to teach people techniques and skills. It's more instructional. I don't, I'm not out to, you know, push them really hard. I want them to learn how to do these kind of general skills that they should apply to every exercise. And whether they're training like with me or not, if someone was going to go to a gym and do it on their own, I'd want them to train this way. I'd want them to learn these skills. These skills are all based on safety, number one. And then number two, these skills make the exercise more productive, more effective, help stimulate the muscle more efficiently. Hmm. And, and people keep coming back. Yeah. Yep. So we spoke a little bit about that as well. So is that the accountability component? I mean, how, how does accountability play into this, do you think? I, I think they, they, most people, no one, everyone I've ever trained will tell you, will tell me they've never trained, they will never train harder on their own. So mm-hmm. once they, once they experience a workout where I push them, most people want to quit because it's very, very uncomfortable, very demanding. And just having me in their ear, encouraging them to keep going, it's probably the, probably my number one, what's most people see that as my number one value, I guess, to, to them. And then also, again, they don't want to, it's, it's amazing. People just don't want to disappoint me. And I'm a very positive person too. I've never been, I've never uh, used like negative, you know, I don't yell at people. I don't, you know, actually I have a, I have a very quiet, controlled instruction voice. I guess my style is, is probably really different than what most people think. The stereotype of the, you know, coach or trainer is, you know, yelling and screaming and, you know, and my, I'm the complete opposite. So. I mean, that, that yelling and screaming in some way is sort of shaming. I mean, what, what you're doing is exactly what the I am is about is reminding some of their value, encouraging yeah. them. you can do Definitely. this, believe yep. in you. Yep. I believe in you. That's exactly how I teach. And that's exactly how I instruct, you know, yeah. positive. So how long, Mark and Craig, how long have you guys been working together? Oh, three years. Yeah, Craig. three years. Yep. Yeah. I, I, Mark, do you think that's in, influenced your style at work? Because you're an incredible boss. I mean, you encourage people, you value them, you you do that for our community. How- it is, Craig. He he has an amazing way about him. I, and I will say, I want to pile on with the. If you go to the gym and you want to do this yourself, you're not going to do this alone. Right, you are not going to do this without a coach because it it is uncomfortable, it is really hard, and people tend to avoid the pain, right? And then and I'm saying pain in that just for for effect. However, that one on one coaching with that that voice, that guide, that Sherpa that takes you along, it is. It's a hundred percent necessary in these types of of workouts. Yeah, I have definitely learned from Craig, and he has a very, very, very good way about him. It's that it's that wisdom, that knowledge that you're doing it. You're on the right path. Without that, go, go, go. What he's talking about. There's not that you can do it. You know, it's none of that. It's this. It's a simple. It's almost meditative when you're doing it. Quite frankly. You know, because you get into this this mind body place where you know you hear the voice in your ear, 
and you're doing things that you don't think you can do, right? There is a point where you're at, where you feel as though you're at failure. And when you break through and he says, let's do another one, it, it's it's an amazing euphoric feeling. It really is. Mm. And the, the strength that you feel for this, the time efficiency of it, you know, I know people who go to the gym and spend two hours a day in the gym and I'm spending an hour a week and I feel great. I mean, I feel strong. All of my, my legs feel strong. You know, I, my core feels very strong and it's, it's not a huge time commitment, which is, which is amazing, but it's, it's that pushing beyond where you think you can. So I think there's a whole neurological component to it as well sure yeah absolutely and and i'm i'm curious i mean you're asking the muscles to do a lot to expend enormous amount of energy how do you feed them again i mean what's what's the nutritional component to this um i think you know i don't think you you i think you want to eat the same way whether you're exercising or not it's it's really just trying to eat a nutritious diet you know eat what your body needs i think when you're training you do want to make sure you get your protein requirement you know most people under eat most americans woefully under eat protein hmm. and a lot of it has to do with things we were taught really late 70s early 80s with the food pyramid and you know it started with the you know the george mcgovern committee the the, the nutritional guidelines the white paper in 1977 became the food pyramid. So that that was a massive shift in how how we ate in in a really short period of time. So I think most people most most Americans, like I said, they're woefully under eat protein. So if you get your protein requirement in, and it's definitely very important if you're trying to if you're exercising, trying to build muscle, trying to get stronger. So I just encourage people to track their protein intake. That's really all I do. If they're trying to lose body fat, I do give them a plan and kind of teach them how to reduce their intake and keep their protein intake high if they're doing a like i have a 12-week fat loss plan that i you know that i'll give to people if that's what their goal is sure people will weigh in on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i i don't think people necessarily know protein sources other than like red meat or yes protein you know powder or something what what protein resources do we have available to us i encourage people to eat lots of red meat uh <laughs> lots of eggs if they don't like red meat whatever animal protein they like eat it and eat it liberally and that's that's what i encourage if people think red meat's bad for them it's the most nutritious food on the planet wow it's probably the worst idea. It is the worst idea in the history of nutritional science. The idea that red meat or meat in general is bad. It's the, 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 the lipid hypothesis was debunked almost, almost from the very beginning. And it's, it's really a shame because I think it's caused a lot of uh, death and destruction. So I encourage people to eat. If they, if they, if they feel guilty about eating red meat, I try to tell them that's just a silly, silly idea. Eat red meat. It's, the wow. most nutritious. It's just the most nutritious food on the planet. I, I I think there are many people who would go like totally blown away. That I'm I'm just thinking of people who are vegetarian or vegan. I mean, yep. How, how do they get their protein if they? Uh, from there? Yeah, they, they're if they're if they're vegan and and people make choices. And I I really don't care how other people eat. 
if someone decides to be vegan, that's, I mean, it's hard for me to help a client who says I want to be vegan. I mean, I'll encourage them. It's vegetable protein sources are, are pretty bad. They're, they're not really meant for human consumption. So, I mean, I, if someone is vegan and they're insisting on it, I'm not going to try to talk them out of it, you know, but if someone's right. questioning, then I'll give them, you know, the facts. So it's, it's, that's a hard, hard one for me, you know, when someone, even a vegetarian, they're not willing to eat most meat, you know, so it's, it's hard. I mean, I'll, if they're vegetarian, I'll say, I'll encourage them to eat, you know, more eggs or whatever, whatever they're willing to eat from animal sources, whether it's dairy is dairy proteins. Great. So yeah, it's animal sources are the best sources of protein. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a really interesting world that we live in where the red meat idea has been sort of pushed aside, you know, and we just need whatever we can to, to be strong. And yep. Craig, how, how do people find you? Cause I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners who are going, I, I want to sign up for this. Well, I, they can, they can call a text on my, on my business. 781-826-0302. I have, I have a Facebook page. It's Back to Health on Facebook. And that's the number two. My website is b2htotalfitness.com. B is in boy, B2H. Yeah, B is in boy, b2htotalfitness.com. Okay. And my Twitter is just Craig Huntington. It's B2H Craig. Is that like back to health? Back to health. Yep. Nice. And then I have an Instagram. It is, it's B2H Fitness on Instagram. So those are all my socials and my contact. That's great. Folks, you know, sign up. Um, Craig is right here, right on the South Shore. Is is it possible to do these remotely though? Or, or, I mean, have you ever done that? I, I've never done it. I don't feel comfortable doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like to be hands-on and I like to, I like to, I don't, I don't want to say like, I don't know. I just like to be within arm's length of people. Yeah. I think, I, I don't think I'd be effective doing it over like a Zoom or, yeah. you know, I do have, <laughs> I did start a, an online coaching business where, you know, people consult with me. I have a pro, I have an online coaching program but it's not, I'm not going to supervise, you know, one-on-one training over, you know, over the internet. Yeah. No, I think it makes sense. You know, I mean, there is a safety component to it as well. It's a, yes. But it's being in the room and, and that, that human connection, we, we lose a little bit of that with Zoom. It's mm-hmm. sure. You know, we're, we're talking about this total fitness. Let's bring it into the IM because the IM is saying that, you know, we're, Influenced by responding to the four domains of your home domain, social domain, which is the rest of the world, the biological domain, which we're talking a lot about today, and the IC domain, how I see myself, how I think other people see me. We're talking a lot about that as well. Because the four domains interact, the first truth of the I am, a small change can have a big effect. We don't need to change everything. Small changes can have big effects. So given what we're talking about tonight, what small change can you recommend to our listeners, Craig? Well, I might be biased, but start exercising or start, if you're not doing something, do something. I think strength training is, is, is a uh, uh, crucial. I think it's, everyone should do it. I don't care what, how old you are. I don't care if you're an athlete. I don't care if you're, I don't care who you are. It should be, 
it should be thought of in the same vein as brushing your teeth. Strength training should be, it's, it should be an absolute requirement for life. So just start strength training, you know, and you can do it at home. You don't have to go to a gym. You don't need a lot of space. There's a lot of really inexpensive home equipment you can buy on Amazon. And, you know, you can, you can do some research on your own. It doesn't take a lot to find routines and things like that, you know? So I'd say start lifting weights, start strength training. Really? Yep. So- and it, the time commitment is very minimal. So my average client trains for probably less than 45 minutes a week or time-wise they're here for 45 minutes, you know, less, probably less than that. So, so, so just to go back then to, to the, what we're talking about at first, so the, the early workouts that you were doing before you got into this were two hours or so. I mean, yes. what, what was the difference between those lengthy workouts and these? Uh, it was a lot of unproductive, the kids these days call it junk volume. So there were there, there were warm up sets upon warm up sets, and then I probably only did really, I probably did the same amount of actual productive work that I do now. I just wasted a lot of time, effort, a lot of wear and tear on my joints. Yeah, so so it's and I didn't understand the stimulus. I didn't understand back then. I did not know the definition of exercise and the proper stimulus. And once I learned that, and I realized it was. You know, it was that one, I have people do one exercise per muscle group, one set to momentary failure or till they can't do another one. And that's the stimulus. Yeah. Fascinating. So that's a small change. So people can start doing some strength training. They can do yes. that on their own. Yep. Do they need equipment or? No, you could do, you could do a lot with just your body weight if you, really? you know. A push-up is an incredibly productive exercise if you do it right, huh. which is mo- most exercises productive if you do it right. And if you do it wrong, it could be value or it could be worthless, or it also could be wor- uh, worse than that. It could cause an injury. But if you do it right, it's, you know, body weight exercises can be very, very productive. I think mine would be. So I would have a lot to, to push up there. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. So there's a wrong way to do a push-up? Yes. Usually most people, when they lift weights, they think of lifting weight, moving weight up and down. Like their goal is to do as many move, move weight up and down as many times as possible. And the goal is not to move weight. The goal is to stimulate, let's say on a, on a chest, on a bent, sorry, on a push up, you're trying to stimulate your pectoral muscles, your chest muscles, your shoulders, and your triceps. You're trying to, your goal is to make those muscles work as hard as possible fatigue them as deeply as possible to stimulate this adaptive response. And you could actually do an exercise, you could do a push-up where you don't actually move up and down. You you hold yourself like a plank position, mm. like the middle range where your elbows are bent about 90 degrees. And if you just held yourself there as long as possible, it's very productive and very hard. So you don't even have to move to exercise. Movement has nothing to do with exercise. Mm, interesting. And and to get that that detective comic look. Yeah. What, what one is there? One exercise, I guess, for that would be for the abs. Right? No, you'd you'd have to you'd have to do a you'd have to do a full you know you'd have to train you know all your muscles. Again, you just do a full body routine like I like I have my clients do. There's definitely a huge genetic component as far as like how your muscles are going to eventually look. Ultimately, genetics will determine how much muscle you can build. 
the shape of your muscles is predetermined. That's you know you can blame your parents or your or your parents' parents for how your muscles look, the shape of them. But you do the best with you do the best you can with what you've been given. Most people actually have been given quite a lot, but it's actually hard to build muscle. It's not it's not you know people see you know like world class athletes and competitive bodybuilders and they think it's like easy to build muscle. And those people were born to look that way. It's actually against uh, evolutionary survival. Large amounts of muscle mass were not an advantage when we were kind of seeking food on a daily basis. That's they're, they're, really interesting. It's ex- they're exp- muscle tissue is expensive. Your body views it as very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is great. The second truth of the I am, everyone's got an I am. Everyone. I believe is doing the best they can, potential to change, influenced by the four domains. But because the I see domain, how I see myself, how I think other people see me, everyone is interested in what you think about them. We all want the same thing, which is just to feel valuable. And you know that the way you treat someone has an effect on their biological domain. Yes. Because your biological domain feels different when it feels respected or disrespected. So this means because you're part of someone's home and social domain, the second truth of the I am, you control no one, but you influence everyone. Mm-hmm. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Craig Huntington, personal trainer, guru, as Mark says, back to health. What kind of influence do you want to be? I, I want to carry on and keep doing what I'm doing because I, I, I love to see people achieve obviously physically, but I, I think there's a, a credible uh, self-esteem component to, you know, to, uh, to getting stronger and building muscle. And I want to motivate people to also never, I guess, back off to always keep pushing forward. And that's kind of like how I live my life, like never satisfied, you know, always trying to improve physically and mentally, but especially obviously with what I do, the physical part, you know, never, I think sometimes people won't train because they think they're too old or I'm too old to do this. And eventually it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If they stop, they will eventually not be able to train. So I'm, I'm, I always try to push people, especially as you get older, it's just, it's vital. So I guess Mm -hmm. I want to keep pushing people. That is profound profound and powerful influence. And Mark, it seems like you've, you've been the recipient of that influence. Yes. And I, and I've seen some of his guests come in and out of there and they all have the same euphoric feeling on the way out. It's always like, how, how are you doing better than you? Cause you're about to go into the torture chamber as they say, <laughs> but you could see the mobility in these seniors that are coming out of his studio where, you know, they're not, shuffling through their walking with gait and their, you know, with, with confidence. And it's, it's pretty impressive. Dr. Joe, I encourage you to, to do a session with, with Craig. It's, um, it's exhilarating. It's, it's, and there it is, it's the mind body experience. It truly is. There's something very, um, very neurological when it comes to working out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, May very well wind up there. May, so, I seven, may. So just to be sure, I've got the number, 781-826-0302. Yes, perfect. Okay, folks, that's how you get in touch with, with Craig Huntington. And maybe we can all have a great new year and be a little bit healthier while Sounds we do good. it. Yep. All right.
We will find you, Craig. Larry, thanks so much for being the main person there, producing us as always. And folks, we will see you next week on the Dr. Joe Show. Then go, 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 go. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.